Hi, this is Mario Andretti. Mark Blundell. Mark Priestley. Claire Cottingham. Ben Edwards. Jamie Chadwick. Mark Gallagher. Freddie Hunt. Bobby Eaton. Craig Scarborough. Alex Brundle. You're listening to... And you're listening to... You're listening to... Everything F1. Everything F1. Everything F1. Everything F1 podcast. Driven. Driven. Driven, driven by fans. For fans. Hello and welcome to the Everything F1 podcast. Glad you could be here with us today as we look uh, back at the news since the Mexican Grand Prix and of course look ahead to the Brazilian Grand Prix as we do the third out of three races in our triple header. I'm sure to be an exciting one as it always is in Sao Paulo. Today joining me are my two colleagues. First of all, we have Kiara. Kiara, how are you doing today? Pretty good this time. Bit stressed for uni, but going fine. What's been going on? What's what's stressing you out about the university life? My bachelor's thesis. Okay. Could you tell us a bit more about it? <laughs> well, it's been thrown around a bit, but I want to do freedom of the press and censorship and social media. And my professor is kind of making me change my direction. Oh, well, that's uh, never ideal, is it really, when you're getting some outside influence? But Freedom nope. of the Press, a fantastic topic, and uh, and I wish you all the best. Of course, we're very talented here at Everything F1. We don't just do motorsport content, we're doing other things as well. We do have a life outside of Everything F1, believe it or not, viewers and listeners. And, uh, and Hamish, as well to you, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Brilliant. And have you had a good day so far? What have you been up to? Yeah, mainly just writing some stuff for everything F1 really today, which has been fun as usual. Just catching up on the, the incoming news and making sure everything's up to date. Perfect. Give us a sense about it. What, what was your latest article that you've done? Uh, the latest one I did was kind of looking at, because it's Halloween, uh, so happy Halloween to everyone. I kind of just made an article talk, uh, trying to, I was searching through social media, trying to find the best kind of F1 Halloween themed outfits. And there's a few good ones out there. So I just wrote a short article on that. It's nothing too serious, but always good fun to do. Perfect. Well, great to have you on board and do go on to everythingf1.com to check out the content from our newest colleague, Hamish, as well, because uh, he's been doing some great stuff for us so far. So let's dive straight in. Then, of course, first of all, I must have to say, as always, do check out our sponsor, theraceworks.com. You get 10% off of some fantastic merchandise ahead of the Brazilian Grand Prix for all of your teams. And do, of course, check us out on the socials as well. We're everywhere, as always. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, whatever you need. We've got the content to suit you, so do check us out. Now, let's dive straight in. As Hamish correctly mentioned there, it is Halloween. So, you know, do drop us a few cheeky motorsport puns in the comment section if you've got any good ones. So, so I've thought of lights out and away we ghoul. I'm so sorry. That's absolutely terrible. And Toto Werewolf as well. Hamish, have you got maybe a Halloween pun to share with us or something? Something absolutely cringeworthy? Oh, I actually don't at all. And I, Maybe I should have come prepared, but I'm not even going to try and attempt one because I don't think I'll be able to think of one on the spot. But I don't know about you, Kiara. I don't know if you've got anything up your sleeve. I haven't even thought about it, if I'm being honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay, guys. I mean, I've been brainstorming for weeks about this. <laughs> that's all I've got. Absolutely pathetic. <laughs> but if you do get find anything or think of anything, do throw it in. It's all a bit of fun as we do our very own Halloween special podcast. Now, uh, as I mentioned there, we are going to look through a bit of a news that's developed since the Mexican Grand Prix. Do check out our, our, our podcast channels because, of course, we did review the Mexican Grand Prix, of course. So you can find all the content 
regarding the race there. But but today we're going to look at the news. And I think it's only right to start with the breaking news, of course, today, that Mike Elliott has left his role as Mercedes' chief technical officer. For those who weren't aware, of course, he joined from Renault in 2017, rose up to chief technical officer, but it hasn't gone very well this season there was a mid-season swap, of course, with James Allison because of the very poor start the Mercedes team had to the 2023 season. And uh, now it seems he has moved on for good. So let's start with you, Hamish. It all seems very amicable, but do you think that he left or do you think that he was pushed? I mean, they're, they're going to 2024 looking to be fighting Red Bull. How possible that is, I don't think it's going to be likely from the offset. I think Red Bull's going to be really strong next year going in. But they're trying to look for a fresh start. They've had two really rough years. I would argue the roughest years they've had since they've entered well, Formula 1 as a proper team. So I, he, he probably, it's, it's hard to say, I don't know, but I, I would say it's probably asked to leave. Um, because they probably want to make sure they start next year on the right foot. And I do think maybe it was the right decision, although they've they've had quite a few recent upgrades from it really fast. But it's one of the decisions only time will tell. It'll be interesting to see who they get in instead, because it's it's big boots to fill in a way. So if they're gonna get rid of him or if he left in his own, they need to they need to find someone to fill that role quite quickly, you would think. Hundred percent. Yeah, well, well said indeed. And and Kiara, to come to you now, as Hamish mentioned there, he thinks, I think it's, it's a decision which maybe suits all parties. Do you think this was, first of all, do you think it was because of the terribly poor start Mercedes had to 2023? Well, he's been there for around 11 years now, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. So maybe his time was just up. I don't think it was breaking news for me, to be honest, because I knew that something was going to come considering there was this swap. So I w- it was bound to happen. They wouldn't have swapped him out if they didn't want him to either retire or leave. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, and I think you're correct there. My apologies. I misspoke. I think I said he joined in 2017. He joined much before then, but actually became head of aerodynamics, I believe, in 2017. Oh, sorry, became technology director from being head of aerodynamics. So, yeah, I think it, it certainly is. An amicable split. And Kiara, once again, do you think they will try and poach someone from from one of their rivals possibly to fill that role? Don't they always? They could. I don't think so. Maybe not for Mercedes. I don't think they would do that. Maybe a different team would try and poach from their competitors, but not Mercedes. Sure. Well, it, it will be very interesting, as Hamish mentioned there, very coveted seats, of course, in the sport working for a juggernaut like Mercedes in one of the top roles. So it'll be interesting to see whether they do choose to employ someone internally or maybe look elsewhere. And uh, and Hamish, you touched upon it there. The focus is very much now on 2024. Do you think this shakeup is is going to carry Mercedes to success? Do, do you think this is going to be a, a wise move from the team? As I said, only time will tell. I think... It- Yes, I think it could pay off well. I think if you look at what Mercedes have been, as I said, over the last two years, they've really not progressed as they wished. And I think this year was a real moment for them. I mean, at the beginning of the season, we were hearing stuff that Total Wolf and other people on the team were under real pressure because they came to this year with a package that was nowhere near what they expected. So you probably see that this kind of move is on the heels of that, needing to go in 2024, not in the same place. Because realistically, they've not made any... I mean, yes, the car's closer to the Red Bull side now, but they're not anywhere where they thought they would be. So they, they're trying to make sure they go in 2024, not in the same place as the end of 2023. So that that would be their goal. Their goal would be to be, if not 
just a bit close to the Red Bull, or at least solidly number two, because I think they entered this year behind Aston Martin and Will- and uh, Ferrari, which is not what they wanted at all. So they need to make sure they come into next year at least somewhere near Ferrari and ahead of the other two to uh, really say it's been a success of a, of a decision. For sure. I mean, um, yeah, lofty ambitions, of course, for a team like Mercedes, especially after the dominance they've had in the 2010s, um, even going into the 2020s, I guess. So, yeah, certainly they need to improve. That's for sure. And uh, of course, Rome isn't built in a day. I think it's going to take a little bit more, but uh, perhaps bring someone else in is going to bring some fresh ideas and allow the team to possibly challenge Red Bull going into next year. And uh, you mentioned Aston Martin there, which leads us quite nicely onto the next big story. And this has been quite a big one, which has been bubbling up in the last week, really, and, and quite a surprising one, especially if you consider the start of the season, how good that car, and in particular, how happy a certain Spaniard was. Chiara, what do you make of the rumours that Fernando Alonso is thinking about calling it a day at the end of the season? He's done that before. I don't think he's going to do it again because he's he's still an Aston Martin. I'm not saying they're a bad team. It's just that they their improvement died down. It just went backwards. And we don't honestly know what happened. But I think with the other rumors circulating, Lawrence Stroll and Lance possibly leaving, there is a chance that Aston Martin could come back better than ever in 2024. So that might have Alonso just stay but regarding rumors of him retiring I don't think so you don't think so and and I'll put it to you Hamish as well what do you think has maybe led to these rumors because there's no smoke without fire as they say I have no clue I mean a lot of it's also been him going to Red Bull I've seen that I think for me it's just there's been a surprise by how much Aston Martin have dropped off I think I expected it I think we probably all expected a degree because usually when a you see it year on year when a car that surprises people getting podiums here and there eventually falls off the end of the season because they don't have the funds to develop as much come the end of the season. But I don't I don't really know. Alonso retirement, it's a one, as Kiara was saying, that really surprises me. I don't know why anyone's suggesting that. I think if we know anything about Alonso at this point, he's not just simply going to pack it up and, and leave. I think he's going to be at Aston Martin for a while. And I think I personally, I'm surprised by the kind of comments that he's upset or wants to leave Aston Martin because only a week ago, he was saying we shouldn't look at their most recent, you know, their, their performance right now as this year and they should they're saying look we're, we're going to finish fifth and Alonso is saying I think he's going to finish I don't know where he is right now but he was saying he's going to drop a few places but where he is in driver's standings is very impressive for where the team was last year so I think he's committed to the Aston Martin kind of dream and I think if Saudi Arabia come along and buy buy it up I think that's only probably going to be a good thing for him because it'll probably increase a pay, <laughs> pay oh sorry increases wages more than anything so, yeah, I don't think he'll leave. I think it will come in. I think if next year, it kind of goes a bit skew if. Fernandez not one to be the most patient. So that might cause more worry. But I think right now he's quite happy where he is. Yeah, really interesting viewpoint there. And you mentioned where is he in the drivers of just... Asked my old friend Google to give me some help with that. Uh, he's currently fifth place, 183 points. But yeah, the dogs really are coming in quickly. I mean, we've got Lando Norris coming in at a rapid rate of not Charles Leclerc, George Russell could all have a realistic chance of overtaking him. So it could be, I think, at its lowest, maybe eighth place for Fernando Alonso in this year's Drivers' Championship. But yeah, you're right. He's, he's a fighter and I'm sure he won't go out without a fight. And uh, he probably wants to see if he can pick up a few more podiums. Probably not this year, 
but maybe Aston Martin will get the jump in 2024 again. Kiara, do you think that there's been any sign of Fernando Alonso's talent maybe dipping off slightly as the year's gone on? Or do you think that that's just a case of the car just isn't as good as it was at the start of the year? I think it's just the case of the car. If you see his performance compared to Lance Stroll, like, there's no doubt about what he can do. But yeah, I think, I don't know how far off Lance Stroll is compared to Fernando Alonso at this moment. I did not check that. So maybe Google. But yeah, I think he, even though the car is dropping off, I think that Fernando does what he can with it, unless the team calls him in and says, to box and we have to retire the car because of technical issues which is what happened in Mexico like out of nowhere he retired so it wasn't him causing issues that he didn't collide against anyone or he didn't cause an accident but it was just the problem with the car yeah yeah 100% yeah clearly you're 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 still supporting Fernando's ability there and I think a lot of us are he's still a very popular driver on the grid and to answer your question there as well 130 points is the gap between Lance Stroll and Fernando Alonso there we have it there we have it. Very stark, honestly. It's almost like his dad owns the company. Who would have thought it? But yeah, I think what's clear, and of course, the ownership is a big deal as well. For those of you who might like other sports like I do and maybe Kiara and Hamish do as well, you'll know that Saudi Arabia are playing a huge role in global sports at the minute. It looks like they're going to get the men's 2020, sorry, men's 2034 um, World Cup as well in, in footballing terms. So they, they really are looking to branch out. So it'd be interesting to see if they do pursue this deal to buy Aston Martin and what that means. But the Saudis often like star power. And I think Fernando Alonso certainly provides that. So I'd be surprised if they look to ship him off before they ship Lance Stroll off. Just out of interest, Hamish, just to play devil's advocate on this, if Fernando was to give it up, say, you know what, I've done my bit, I've got my championships. I'm off into the sunset. Who would you replace him with for next season? That is a great question. I have no clue. If I had to replace anyone with him, you would have to look at someone who possibly deserves a better car than what they're in. Alex Albon would be a great shout. Well, that came quickly to my head there, but he would be, yeah, he would be an awesome person to shove in that car. If he leaves William, I mean, if he had the opportunity at podiums, I think he probably would. I think he's very much he's very much suited to the Williams family right now. I think he's really enjoying his time there. But I do think, given the opportunity right now, from what he's doing in that car, he would be an absolute, absolutely great replacement for Alonso. He might be a bit rusted to begin with. I, I agree with Kiara in the way that he is still one of the best drivers on the grid. So if he could produce the same results straight away, I'm a bit doubtful. But I think he would be a good replacement. Yeah, no, uh, definitely. I think Alex Albon has, has really proved himself. Had a fantastic season in what's been a tricky car. Very inconsistent, the Williams. Some races it, it seems to fly, some it doesn't. Sometimes it even flies in practice and then it fades off as we saw last weekend. So you never know what you're going to get from Williams. But he's clearly a great driver. And, and I think it would be unfair to, to judge him on that Red Bull still, that ill-fated Red Bull stint when so many drivers have also failed in that car. Uh, Kiara, I'll put the question to you. Do, do you agree with Hamish, someone with a bit of experience, or would you maybe go with someone like Felipe Drogovic, bring in a rookie and hope for the best? I was going to say bring in the rookie and go for the best. I do agree. I do agree with Hamish when he said Alex Albon, because Alex was also the first person that popped into my head. But at this point, I think that Alex is quite content. I'm not sure if he would like to leave Williams because I think Williams are a very positive team, as you can see how they deal with Logan Sargent and how he's doing. So I think they might bring in Felipe Drogovic if Alonso decides to retire. But I do think 
Bale replaced Lance Stroll first before Alonso does re- decide to retire. Yeah, yeah, I, I could see that. And it'll be interesting to see, to see what they choose to do, because it's always a gamble bringing in someone new into the sport. Sometimes it's going to pay off, like a Charlotte Clerk, and, and sometimes it isn't, like a Stoffel Van Dorn. You never really know which way it's going to go in these situations. And sorry, Stoffel, I know he's had a bit of success in other categories since, so I, I shouldn't be too critical of his driving, but it, it certainly didn't work out in the F1 world anyway. But it will be interesting to see what happens with Fernando. I think we all hope that he does stick around, but we also know that it doesn't happen forever. It doesn't last forever having these drivers. And when one person departs the sport, another person gets the opportunity, which can also be fantastic uh, to, to see young talent, young drivers coming in and offering something different. So that will be interesting to see what happens towards the end of the season. But I certainly agree with you both in that I think we will see Alonso for at least one more year on the grid next season. Now, moving away from drivers and onto tracks, this was a, a very interesting story seen bubbling up. I'm not sure if you guys have been following this. It's just come up in the last few hours. But there are rumours that the, the Malaysian Grand Prix is set to return to the calendar. Now, I'm, I'd am i be very excited about this because I, I really love Malaysia. I mean, the monsoon conditions, the, the incredibly wide track, which you could get three double-decker buses going side by side if you really want to. I, I thought it was just brilliant. Now, this news comes from a certain sponsorship deal. Now, uh, it's going to be renamed the Petronas Sepang International Circuit. They've signed a three-year naming rights deal. Of course, Petronas, you may see it has been quite commonly put with the Mercedes team, of course, as a sponsor in recent years. Now, uh, they're going to be hosting MotoGP pretty soon, of course, the uh, motorbike category, the premier motorbike category. And it uh, does show that with the right backing and the right organization, the track can still host a motorsport weekend. So, Hamish, I'll come back to you on this one. Uh, would you like to see the Malaysian Grand Prix return? The last, the last couple of times we went to Malaysian Grand Prix, Max won by an absolute mile. And I do think if it returns, we'll just see the same fashion again. I'm not... I, I don't dislike the Malaysian Grand Prix. I think it's a good race. And some real classics out there. Was it 2013 where Vettel had an absolute shocker? I think it was either 2012 or 2013 where he was a real mix-up. I think it was a bit of rain. Checo was, it was one of Checo's first podium, I think. 2012, where 2012, uh, yeah, yeah. Perez could have, could have passed Alonso. Unfortunately, he went wide at the uh, penultimate That's corner. That's it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was a great race, and there's been some great racing there. I think in it, the last few races were quite boring, and I think when I saw it leave, I wasn't too upset because I... Every kind of every time we seem to go there, and it seems to be quite dull. But I think it'll be good to see back. I think you're right. It's it's at least a fun track to watch. I feel like a lot of tracks can be quite dull to watch. But every time you watch Malaysia, there's always something interesting to see. So yeah, yeah, I'll 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 I'd like to see it back. Yeah, yeah. No, some really interesting interesting points there. It's 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 an interesting one, Malaysia. I think I think it's also nice in a sense to have a track in maybe in that part of the world as well. You know, I know we, we've, we're becoming quite a global sport, of course. Vegas and so on being introduced to the calendar but 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 I, I like having maybe tracks in countries which not to be rude to Malaysia but maybe not essentially associated with the super wealthy in the sense of Las Vegas is and Miami I think maybe Malaysia was a bit more for the people but that's just my opinion I do put a comment in as well if you're watching on Facebook about what your thoughts are on the Malaysian Grand Prix Kiara I'll ask the same thing to you have you got good memories of Malaysia in the past? I feel the same as Hamish. I think it was okay. 
I mean, it's a very interesting circuit, don't get me wrong. I think it has the makings of a great race, but I used to feel very underwhelmed when it came to the Malaysian Grand Prix. So maybe if something like miracle would happen and it's back on the calendar, maybe we'll enjoy it even more, but I'm just getting tired of Max. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll have to see. But yeah, I do agree with your point that it was more for the people. I agree since Malaysia... Or the Malaysian people, similar to Singapore as well. The fans are just there. They're genuinely excited. They want all the tourism and they want to see everyone just come together. And it's less about the luxurious side, not like the music festival that's about to happen in Las Vegas. Sure. Yeah, really interesting points, both of you there. And I think it'll be interesting to see uh, how this does develop, really. And to come back to you, Hamish, once again on the Malaysian Grand Prix, and we've kind of touched upon it already, really, in our answers, but F1 is moving at a rapid rate of knots at the minute. It seems to be growing in a really positive direction, which I'm really glad to see as a fan. But do you think that it's good that F1 is still looking back at these old tracks? Because in this particular article, another track which was mentioned was Hockenheim. I know Kiara, of course, will have great memories of that as a uh, German national herself. But do you think that F1 should be looking back or do you think we should continue to, to look at the future and get tracks like Las Vegas coming up and explore new territories as we seem to be doing? What's your thoughts? I mean, at this point, I'm quite, I'm quite an old school F1 watcher now, seeing as I've watched it for more, more than three years in a sense. My first season is 2007 and you've seen a lot of tracks come and go since then. So I'm always down for seeing tracks return. Uh, Hockenheim for me is a real good example. I I'm a massive fan of Hockenheim. I think it's my I, I it's my favorite German track that we've seen in Formula One, and I think it's always produced good racing. And I don't quite understand why when you have Marcus Schumacher, Sebastian Vettel, you name it, there's a famous F1 G German sorry famous German F1 driver, and yet we don't have a German Grand Prix. We know there's a fan base there. It should be there. So I don't I've I. Yeah, tracks that I'd love to see. And that's not to say we shouldn't keep trying to find new tracks. I think going to new places can be exciting as well. Azerbaijan, I think, is a really good example of that. We went to Azerbaijan for the first time and we've had some absolute stunners there. So I think you've always got to be in the middle. I don't think you should always be looking at Las Vegas's and places like that. I think we should be going a bit of both. I'm a bit, I know everyone's really excited for Las Vegas. I'm really on the fence with it purely because I think the event itself is going to be more than the racing. And for me, the event is the racing. And I think you have to be careful to not overshadow the events on track with just having a spectacle. And I get F1 is a spectacle, but surely the car should always be the main focus. So take with that what you will. But yeah, definitely to, to kind of go back, definitely we should we should keep looking at our tracks. Really interesting point there, Hamish. And I have to say to just pop my opinion every once in a while of course I'm kind of hosting the debates here amongst my colleagues but I have to agree and I did raise this in last week's podcast as well that although I love to see the spectacle of Las Vegas and Swedish House Mafia is going to be there and all this I'm there to watch the cars race I'm, I'm there to see big overtakes I'm there to see some fantastic racing and I just hope that F1 doesn't maybe lose its soul a little bit going to the big event side of things as I think Miami kind of did because if I'm being honest from what I've seen from Miami so far i'm not very impressed and i just feel like it was kind of built for the celebrities to attend in some respect so but at the same time it's important to strike a balance as you say and we saw rumors that spa francorchamps might be leaving the grid the amazing belgian grand prix until it signed a new deal and i think that would have been catastrophic really amongst f fans i think it's it's a big 
a big fan favorite, it's fair to say. But enough about me rambling anyway. Let me go to Kiara at this point. And I'd like to ask you the same question, Kiara, of course, about whether you think we should be looking back or we should be looking ahead. But I just want to first of all ask you, because Hamish raised a very interesting point there in that why do we not have a German Grand Prix? We've had fantastic drivers coming out of Germany. Uh, still, of course, Nico Hülkenberg. I know he's not a star on the grid, but he's been there. He's been a mainstay. So Kiara, as a, uh, a German national and someone who's very uh, knowledgeable about the sport as a whole. Uh, why is it that you think that uh, Germany cannot host a race even biannually, switching between Nürburgring and, Hoppen and Hockenheim? We actually had a conversation about this recently while I was at the Hockenheim ring last weekend, and it's because Germany, the, well, the German government does not help pay. Because hosting a Formula One race at a track is very expensive. That means that the track themselves have to lay out the money and they can't afford it by just selling the tickets. They would need some kind of other sponsorships as well. That's very hard to get. And Germany, I think, is the only country at the moment that does not sponsor those kinds of events, which is why there is no more German Grand Prix. And the Nürburgring is just built differently and it's not as good for the Formula One cars. Well, thank you for that. There we go. To all the audience listening and watching, Kiara has provided the explanation there. And, and I guess, Kiara, this is why we're seeing so many of the more uh, richer, maybe Middle Eastern countries getting these races now, because, of course, their governments, their yes. kingdoms, they want the sport there to increase the profile of a nation. Well, that is true. And it's very sad because, like you mentioned, there have been some great German Formula One drivers and being at the Hockenheim ring quite often or even at the Nürburgring and during the Red Bull show runs when I was at the Nürburgring, it was very emotional to see Sebastian Vettel and David Coulthard, by the way, in the Red Bull cars and even Niki Lauda's son, Matthias Lauda, in the original Ferrari of Niki Lauda. And we were all standing there and we're like, I can't believe we don't have a German Grand Prix. Yeah, uh, I, I can imagine. I, I think it's a real shame because there have been some great races over the years as Hamish and I think yourself as well agree that Hockenheim is a fantastic, fantastic track. And I'm sure it'd be an amazing addition to the calendar, even with the wider cars. I think it would really work. So it, it's a shame, but unfortunately, it's a product of the modern F1 world and how expensive it really is to, to, to run and organize a Formula One race. And uh, just to pose a question I asked to Hamish as well, then. Uh, do you think that F1 should still look to the past? Because it's not just Malaysia, of course. We hear these rumours all the time. I heard Kyalami popping up last year. I'd love to see that. My mum's South African. I think it'd be fantastic to have the race back in South Africa. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. Now we see Malaysia. Do you think that's right for F1 to be looking into the past? Or do you think we should just look to the future? I think we should look to the past as well. We have lots of great tracks all around the world that could potentially make a great Grand Prix. And I think sometimes being a bit too futuristic can be much like you said with Miami and now we're all worried about Las Vegas. And that takes away from the sport and it takes away from the rich history that motorsport has in general. So I think it would be such a shame to just leave everything out and look, look at new tracks and make a huge spectacle out of it when it's not when it's literally just about motorsport and not about Steve Akoy. <laughs> like, I mean, sorry if you're a fan of Steve Akoy, but we're there for Formula One and not for anything else. 100%. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think F1 sometimes, unfortunately, finds itself between a rock and a hard place in terms of appealing 
to the traditional fan base, but also trying to attract the newer fans maybe who like the the big flashy lights and the sprint racing and getting the the music stars in and so on. And I think it's just important to make sure that F1 keeps its soul and that F1 is still focused on the racing, but also F1 is open to everyone and not just the super wealthy. So of course, we're gonna, not going to change it in a day, but I just hope that Stefano Domenicali and the big bosses are all looking out for us, us guys on the ground as well. Now, moving on to the next news story, it looks at Yuki Tsunoda. For those who don't know, of course, uh, Alpha Tari were on for a fantastic race result in Mexico. Still got an amazing result. Of course, Daniel Ricciardo showing why he was brought back into the team and is now looking like a contender possibly for Red Bull 2024. That's going to be really interesting. We will come on to that a little bit at the end. Um, but this focuses on his teammate in many ways, Yuki Sonoda, who accused F1 stewards of loving the top teams after his incident with Oscar Piastri. Uh, for those who didn't manage to catch that incident, he crashed into, into Oscar Piastri in an unfortunate incident. It was deemed to be a racing incident. I wasn't really too sure about this one, to be fair. I think that maybe Yuki's throwing his toys out of the pram slightly. But Hamish, what do you think about it? Do you think he's he's got a point there? Or do you think maybe he's just a bit salty because, unfortunately, it cost him a points finish? I mean, my issue with F1 always is, and I do feel sorry for stewards, they can't win. Because last, last weekend, we're looking at two of the top drivers getting disqualified and then them complaining that they didn't check everyone. And now Yuki's complaining that they're not favoured for them. But last weekend contradicts that. So it, for me, it's like it was an unfortunate incident for Yuki. It was brash. It showed to me that he's not he's not at a level that he could go to Red Bull because that incident was avoidable for both of them. For my side of things, it was a racist incident. He turned in too early, I think. I think if he had just put it a bit more wide, then they could have both had room and he probably would have just got by. And it's a shame for Yuki because he had kind of been looking so good in comparison to Lawson and almost like he was ready to be at the level everyone was expecting him to be. And then Danny Ricardo's come in and although having a dodgy Austin, kind of showed him that yeah, he's been away for a bit, but he's still quicker than Yuki. And he didn't need that this weekend. He needed to be on the same level as Ricardo. And unfortunately, he's kind of been shown up. So for me, he's thrown that that's an element of throwing his toys at the pram because he probably feels a little bit shell-shocked by the pace Ricardo had this weekend. And you would be, and you would be annoyed. So yeah, that's kind of my take on it. It's unfortunate, but I think sometimes you just got to shake it off and move on. Yeah, really interesting. And, and as you've kind of alluded to there, they are teammates only in name. Uh, the reality is that that is your biggest rival and they're showing you up as unfortunately Ricardo did this weekend or last weekend, sorry, then it really doesn't reflect very well. Uh, Kiara, uh, what's your viewpoint on it? Yuki Sonoda, do you think that maybe after this season, I know he's been signed for next year already, but do you think he's got it in him really to, to be a top driver in Formula One? No. I'm very straight up on my answer with Yuki. I have to say that I was never really impressed with him since his start in Formula One. I've never been that much of a fan. I thought he would get better and better. And yes, there is some improvement, but having Liam Lawson suddenly there, even Pierre Gasly and the Alpha Tori before, they would just like constantly show Yuki up. So I was kind of surprised that they kept him after seeing Liam Lawson's performance while he was replacing Daniel Ricardo. I thought it would be a Daniel Ricardo and Liam Lawson team for 2024. 
Yeah, it's it's really interesting, isn't it? I, I think Yuki Sonovs, he came in with a lot of promise, but it, it just hasn't really quite happened. I don't think he's ever really shown us that he's been a quality driver. And I think you've both alluded to the fact there that Yuki Sonoda compared very well, I guess, against Nick DeVries. But Danny Rick has come in and really, barring that injury, I think would have probably outperformed him a couple more times, really, in that car. And let's face it, AlphaTauri, they haven't had the best season in the world. I think it's been one of their worst for quite a few years, actually, which is why uh, Dr. Marco has decided to bring them back under the Red Bull banner really and once again make them an official second team rather than maybe giving them a little bit more independence in terms of the the car building side of things at least but yeah it's quite clear that Yuki Tsunoda hasn't really got it and he'll have to improve a lot he'll have to improve a hell of a lot if he wants to keep that seat beyond next year so we'll have to see what happens and the one driver who possibly could have taken that seat which leads me quite nextly into our next bit of news is oliver beerman who the ferrari academy driver he's announced that he won't be competing in formula one in 2024 uh, despite his very impressive performances in fp1 of the mexican grand prix hamish are you surprised about that at all do you think he might have had a shout possibly for a seat maybe even at alpha towery maybe if they decided to be a bit braver I'll be honest, I don't know a lot about him. I saw the FP1 kind of timings. I thought he was quick. I think he's still young. I think the, I was just thinking as you're saying it, the issue with Yuki was he progressed too quickly. And I think there is something to be said for sitting in F2 or just a slightly lower class or a bit longer. I would say someone like Lawson, for example, really benefited from that. I think Lawson's time in F2 wasn't particularly that impressive. I think he had a few wins here and there, but it wasn't anything to shout home about. And he's gone to Super Formula, had a bit more time, and then came to Formula 1 and has been really impressive. And I think he is 18, so I, I think Beerman could do with maybe just an, another season in F2 just to... Because he's quick now. God knows what it's going to be like in a year. And I think then he'll be ready to jump up because 18 is so young as well. I know Max stepped up when he was... Was he 16? Or maybe it might be 17, I think. 17, yeah. I mean, he was so but young. Is- it's it's mad that at the age of 17, going to the biggest, that you're reaching the top of your career at that age. I think you can you can risk it all too early. And I think you're better off trying to mature a bit, coming in and making your career longer rather than coming straight in, not being as quick and then kicked out because that could be pretty horrible. So yeah, I, 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 don't, I think we'll see him, but I don't think it'll be yeah too soon. I think he could do a bit of time. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. At the end of the day, it's good to be ready for it. And I I do think that you're right in that sometimes in life, not just in motorsport, but in all walks of life, we do want the success and we do want to get to the top maybe a little bit before we are ready. And uh, Ollie Beerman, he currently sits in sixth place. Hasn't been a bad season, but he's, he's quite a long way off Tio Porcher. So certainly not in the running for, for leading the campaign or being any close to the leaders. But he's certainly impressed anywhere in Mexico. And it'll be interesting to see how his career does. Going to you, Kiara, the same thing. I mean, do, do you, maybe let's not talk about Oli Bin, but I guess in general, as Hamish put the point out to you there, do, do you think there's something to be said for one more season in F2 is maybe better than going all guns blazing into a into a, an F1 season in a pretty poor car. I mean, just take a look at Logan Sargent. I think he would have benefited one more season in F2. Or maybe like, I mean, Liam Lawson was, is not just in Super Formula. He also did the DTM, for example. And I think Albon did the same. And I think with trying out other series or staying in F2 or Super Formula in this case, you still learn a lot. You 
mature more and you have you gain a better understanding of your driving and i think if you get into formula one you have to understand what you can do and you have to bring in a certain type of skill set with yuki i felt like they had to teach him all over again like they had to, like he was a baby and you had to teach him how to walk instead of coming in with that type of skill set that you're supposed to gain while rising up the ranks and that never happened and i don't think that we'll see that from yuki Sure. Uh, a damning verdict there of Yuki Tsunoda's career. Um, sorry, Yuki, if you're listening. But yeah, no, it's really true and really good point there in that it is a big step up. And I think it also makes you realize how prodigious some of these talents really are. The likes of Max Verstappen coming at 17, the likes of Lewis Hamilton coming in in 2007 and challenging for the drivers, beating Fernando Alonso, making him look foolish that year. I mean, it's really incredible. And that's the thing, an important thing to remember about these drivers. That if they come in, they do that. You look at the more average drivers like a Yuki Snow, like a Logan Sargent, and you see how difficult it really is to step up. I know it's a different decade, a different generation, but it really is a big step up. So be careful, Ollie Beerman. Patience is a virtue. Now, the final bit of news we've got to talk about before we go on to the Brazilian Grand Prix, of course, coming up this weekend it's always going to be a fantastic one at Brazil. I'm really looking forward to it. Is Sergio Perez. Now, uh, I know a couple of the guys have discussed it already, and we all know what happened at the weekend. It's unfortunate. We won't go into it too much because you can check out the race review from Sunday's podcast if you want to know more. But looking ahead to 2024, guys, I'm just going to put a simple question out to you. Kiara, do you think that Sergio Perez is going to be a Red Bull in 2024? I think he will be. But maybe halfway through the season, we might see a change if he doesn't pull it together. Would you care to put a prediction on what race he will be fired? Or am I asking too much of you? Uh, I have to see the first race happen and then I can make my prediction. Sure, I'm, I'm asking a lot. I'm asking you to look into a crystal ball for that kind of prediction. So I, I won't press it anymore. But OK, interesting. So you've gone for Sergio is going to be sticking around in 2024, at least starting the season. Hamish, what about you? Could you see Sergio still being there despite this terrible run of form, really, since the Monaco Grand Prix? I mean, it, it's astounding now how long this has gone on for. Well, what do you think? I do think he will be there. I think, like, their wording, Red Bull are not one to bite their tongue. If they're upset, they're upset and they make it known to the media. You've heard it with Perez this year. They've, they've said some stuff which has been quite damning at points. Right now, I actually wrote an article on this this week, just on Horner and what he was saying following the incident. He was saying he couldn't blame Perez for the incident because at least it showed that he was going for it. They was trying to do something. But it's for me, what does that say? What Horner's saying there is he's not booting him out right now. I think you're right. I think we could see him go halfway through the season. But I think, again... Red Bull has a lot of patience right now because it has a lot of points between anyone else. If someone steps up and they they don't have that patience and Perez still is performing, we'll think we'll see him go quickly. So it all relies on Mercedes, Ferrari, even McLaren now, I guess, kind of taking that step to fight Red Bull to see how long Perez will be there. And he'll know that and he'll he'll be watching out for it. 
Yeah, really interesting points of view there, guys. And, and do check that out as well. Head over to Everything F1, as uh, Hamish said there. Um, a great article looking at Christian Horner's comments um, regarding Sergio Perez. Let's say Christian Horner says he cannot blame Sergio Perez for that aggressive move into the first corner. So, uh, yeah, do check it out in terms of the reasons why. But it will be really interesting to see what happens in terms of Sergio Perez. Of course, it's a coveted seat. And let's go to you, Hamish, once again. Uh, do you agree in many ways that Sergio's security in that seat is quite largely due to the fact that Red Bull are so far ahead of the pack at the minute. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the biggest, apart from maybe Stroll and Alonso, I think it's probably the biggest difference on the grids. Maybe Hamilton and Russell is up there as well, which that's a whole different conversation. But I think, yeah, I definitely think there's a there's a big difference there. I think if our team steps up, then it would be an issue. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, really interesting. And just Kiara, just to come to you very quickly on that. Of course, we've covered it quite a lot already, so I won't go too much into it. But um, out of the top three teams, Ferrari, Mercedes and Red Bull, do you think that Red Bull do have the weakest driver lineup? And of course, that question is geared towards Sergio because Max Verstappen is arguably the best driver in Formula One right now. Well... Red Bull does not technically need Sergio Perez at this point. Max is just a beast. He's a different breed. I think Max and Sergio are the top team equivalent to Alonso and Stroll. I mean, Checo in the beginning of the season has put out some pretty great drives. He has won a few races, that's that's for sure, compared to Lance, but... Over time, you can see that he's gotten weaker and weaker, which is why I would say they're not really working as a team. I also still have, like, from the Mexican Grand Prix last season, Max in my head saying, I'm not going to move. Why should I move? So there's already this rivalry there. And obviously, there is always going to be a rivalry between both teammates because both any in any team you'd like to win, you'd want to be on the podium. But with those two, I feel like they're just very... They're friends, but they're also just very cordial friends. Like, I'm still going to beat you. So, yeah. Yeah. The, the issue as well with, with Perez is he's not keeping Max on his toes. So on some level, I don't blame Max for saying, like, you stay out of my way. Because in the end of the day, at least Ricardo and um, other drivers kept Max, well, Verstappen honest. They, they were close by. Well, Perez is nowhere near. So Max is very comfortable in Red Bull and absolutely feels like the number one leader, like he should. So he has the comfortability to be able to be a bit more stubborn with Perez. I think that's fair. I think even with Vettel and Weber, Weber could challenge Vettel at times. And so when Vettel was being quite like multi-21, great example, when the moments like that appeared, it, it seemed quite mean. But I do think with Verstappen, he kind of has earned the right to say to Perez, look, I'm the faster driver here, stay out of my way. And I think if Perez wants to make that different, he needs to step it up a gear. Yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And uh, you make a good point, just to go back to you, Kiara, there, in that, yeah, that, that teamwork seemed to, to dissipate as the season went on and Max wasn't anymore lending his support to Sergio, which is a bit controversial, but I guess you've got to be a winner and it is a very individualistic sport, Formula One, no matter how much they say it's a team. I think all the drivers will look out for themselves. But yeah, Sergio isn't really putting his weight to the minute. And I think if Ferrari and Mercedes do step up next season... I could see Hamilton and Russell, Sainz and Leclerc probably pulling in more points than just Verstappen kind of running the show 
and Perez lagging behind. But we all know Sergio's got it in him. He's a fantastic driver. He's fought back before that amazing win, of course, a couple of years ago when he was fighting for his career. Um, really stands out in my memory and uh, he really needs to channel some of that that resilience now to maybe find himself back at the front now we're going to look at the brazilian grand prix of course coming up this weekend as i mentioned before it's the last of our triple header of formula one action and i think we're all very excited i know for me it's it's a fantastic circuit maybe the overtaking hasn't been as great in recent years but i feel like the weather always throws up something and as we saw last year as well with George Russell's first F1 win, you always get a surprise as well, which is fantastic. So, Kiara, let's come to you first. Are you excited for it? And also Sprint Weekend, uh, how are you feeling about that as well? Very sad because it is the last Sprint Weekend and I'm not a huge fan of the sprints. I mean, yes, we get more racing, but that's been quite controversial the past few weeks now. And it it just shows that the season is nearing to an end. I think that's quite bittersweet, but I'm very excited for the Brazilian Grand Prix. I think the atmosphere is always very lively, similar to Mexico. And I know that Lewis Hamilton loves the Interlagos. He absolutely adores it. And I'm a huge Hamilton fan. I'm not just a Ferrari fan, also a Hamilton fan. So I'm very excited to see what he could do. Yeah, it will be really interesting to see. Of course, we've seen the teams closing in in recent times uh, as Red Bull clearly switched their development focus to next year, as you would when you're dominating. So hopefully we do get a different winner and uh, maybe see one of the Mercedes drivers win once again. Uh, I'm, I'm a Mercedes fan myself, so I would love to see that personally. Uh, Hamish, what about you? You're a fan of Sao Paulo? How do you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, Sao Paulo is probably... Interlagos is probably my favourite track. For me, it always provides great racing. I just think it's iconic. I just always think of 2008, that World Championship ending every time we go there. And in my head, you can't you can't beat that. I think a, a, a Stappen fan would hate us right now because I'm, I've always been quite a big Lewis fan. So yeah, I'm really excited for it. I think Mercedes, they always seem to be quite quick there. If Max is just too quick this weekend to even get close, we'll see. But yeah, I think Mercedes might be able to put up a fight. And Lewis, is he's an absolute master of this track. So if he can do anything or if he has a word on it, I'm sure he'll hes—he'll be right behind him, or right behind Max, I should say. Yeah, yeah. It's thrown up some fantastic races over the years. I must confess, despite my British national nationality, I was a big Kimi Räikkönen fan back in the day. So 2007 was always the big year for me. And I was very happy putting my hands together like a Bond villain as Hamilton slowed down on the track. So sorry about that, but I am a big Lewis fan now anyway. And of course, we love Lewis. <laughs> and I think we all hope that he gets a win because I think it's incredible to think after such a dominant period, isn't it, Kiara, that Lewis hasn't won a race since 2021. I mean, that would have been unthinkable in the late 2010s. I know. And every time he gets so close, like when he got that pole in Hungary, I was like, yes, now we have it this time. And then that was just taken away from me. And ah, I'm very, I mean, Formula One has had very dominant periods. It's not the first time. Lewis, for, for me, Lewis was just the most dominant one for the longest since that was the time I started watching Formula One. But I would really love to see him with that first place on the podium. I think that would just make my whole year even my whole entire life because he might retire after that I feel like yeah I think it'll be really interesting because the thing is as well with F1 and uh, Hamish I'll come to you on this one uh, you never know when it's going to be your hero's last win do you that that's the scary thing will we ever see Lewis on the top step of the podium again 
Oh, God, I hope so. I think it would be depressing if Jeddah 2021 was his last win, especially not to go into it because I do not want to cause a warfare, but going into how Abu Dhabi went, if, if that was his last shot at a real race win, because if we're looking at it realistically, that would be really upsetting to kind of put an end to that career. I think for me, like Lewis is in the best mood I've seen him since 2021. I think if you look to him getting out of that car in Mexico, hearing him on the radio, how he was in front of the fans... It made me really happy to see because it made me realize what how happy Lewis used to be, which sounds really depressing, but it's been so like if you can see how laborious the last two years have been on him, you know he's really struggled with the car. He's not been himself, and when he got that car, and was really happy, kind of almost celebrating on the radio. I was like, we need that Lewis back. So yeah, I think he will win again, and I think these signs that you're seeing of him being happy again show that he's going to be back up there. And he's lost no pace. I mean, if anything shows this year, I think Alonso has been good, but Hamilton has been consistently there. I think he's really been the second best driver's year behind uh, behind Verstappen. I think he's been underrated this year, if you could believe it. Yeah, uh, 100%. I couldn't agree with you more. That uh, It's great to see Lewis in good spirits. And I saw a really interesting comment from Martin Brundle in his usual race analysis that he does, um, saying quite interestingly that a few years ago, Hamilton coming second, it would have been storm clouds gathering around his head. He wouldn't have been happy, wouldn't really have been celebrating on the radio. Um, he is now, and I'm not saying that's a good thing. If you're a Mercedes fan, I'm sure they want to be on the top step of the podium. But it's great to see Lewis understanding that, unfortunately, this is the best the team can do. And to push that team on now to maybe get more glory and to be competing for titles again in 2024. Now, let's look at it from a more of a uh, championship standings perspective, Kiara. Of course, the big battle in the drivers, at least, Perez versus Hamilton. Could have been much closer if those Austin results stuck, unfortunately, with a disqualification for himself and Charles. It's not that close. But 20 points. Do you think that Lewis can close the gap? I hope so. I think there's lots of potential for him to close the gap, especially if Perez continues on the way he does. And I think Hamilton does have a leg up now since Checo did not finish in Mexico. So there is this chance in Interlagos now and then the last two races for Hamilton to catch up. And I think there is, I would say, a 80% chance that that could happen unless Checo decides to pull up a miracle and win the next few races. Yeah, I mean, we haven't seen much from Checo as the three of us have kind of covered for quite some time now. So I think he's certainly faded off. But 20 points, he's kind of just got to be there, doesn't he? Hamish, what about you? 20 points. Do you think that's an unassailable margin or do you think Lewis is going to do it? It it kind of feels like Perez is handing it to him on a silver plate. After Qatar, I was like, okay, that's it. Perez will keep seconds. Then United States happened. Originally, I was like, oh, he's closed the gap. It maybe what happened. Disqualification happened. Oh, okay, that's it. Shame, but fine. Then Mexico happened, and the gap's co- closed by 20 points. I'm like, Hamilton just needs to be on track, it feels, to get somehow close. So I think it's very possible if Perez keeps this performance up, because, I mean... I think I think he's just going to breeze by because Perez just is not putting up a fight. If 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 Lewis had retired a guitar, had kept the points in Austin along with the points he got in Mexico, we would already be talking about the fact that Lewis has passed him. So, yeah, and I'm not trying to be mean to Perez, but he definitely needs to start pulling something out quickly if he wants to try and defend that. 
Yeah, 100%. I couldn't agree more. And it's, although it doesn't really mean anything, I know, I know there's a bit of prize money involved there, but Red Bull, I'm sure, are very happy to have wrapped up both championships. But I think it would reflect very badly on Sergio if he were to lose to Hamilton, considering that I'm just looking at the table now. Verstappen, 491 points, Perez, 240. There's losing to your teammate and then there's getting absolutely dominated. So I think he'll really want to hold on to that. Of course, the other battle in terms of the constructors, we've got some really interesting battles, really, at the bottom and the top of the grid. Chiara, I'll come back to you. The gap between Ferrari and Mercedes, it now sits at 22 points. Do you think that's, that race is over? It seems like Mercedes have really found some pace the last few races. I feel like that race is a bit over. I I have to say that with Ferrari, it's been kind of a hit or miss. I mean, they've slowly found their pace as well, but I feel Mercedes has been a bit more consistent in that area than Ferrari. And that hurts for me to say as a Ferrari fan, but I've accepted it. I've come to terms with it. I think everyone else has as well. Yeah, don't worry. I think acceptance is the best thing for Ferrari fans. As I say, a big Kimi Raikkonen fan, and he's still the last driver's champion. I mean, I said, I cannot believe that. I would have never thought it all those years ago. But certainly some pace there from a more serious standpoint. Of course, Charles got the pole. But tricky, doesn't seem to really correlate into the race at the minute. So, so you would say it's probably over unless Mercedes have a big mishap in the race on the weekend. Yeah, I thought they would have a mishap because was that in Qatar where George and Hamilton collided with each other? I'm not sure which race that was already, yeah, but I already I saw that. Yeah, I saw that happening. I was like, oh, that's that was my bold prediction, and I thought, okay, maybe that will lead Ferrari with more points and everything. But they still managed to pull through and. Yeah, they've just been more consistent. I feel like with Ferrari, it's either they support Charles or they focus on Carlos all of a sudden, and they're not really capable of giving both the same equal chance. And I know that's never really going to happen, but I was hoping for that double podium, and I thought it was going to happen, but I knew at one point it's it's such a Ferrari thing to sacrifice one for the other. Yeah, unfortunately, Ferrari, they do seem to struggle to to balance the strategies to to ensure that both drivers do well. And they'll need to work on that. Fred Vassell will need to work on that. Of course, he's almost one year in now to to, it's his biggest job in Formula One. And uh, it's been okay. At the end of the day, there was no chance to win the championship with Red Bull's dominance. But he will need to improve if uh, he's going to remain at the head of Ferrari. And to you, Hamish, now looking at the other end of the grid, and this is really juicy, of course, after Danny Ricciardo's performance of the weekend. Once again, we talked about Yuki a bit. This is why I felt so bad for him or or so frustrated with him, really, because it it was there and I feel he would have overtaken Piastri. Now, their level with Alfa Romeo on 16 points in the battle for 8th and ninth, as you would have heard Karun Chandhuk talking about it in the UK commentary at the weekend, that's worth $20 million, I believe. Who do you think is going to come out on top on that? Do you think either team have a chance of points this weekend? Oh, it's. I mean, if if Ricardo can keep that form up, it'll be them. And I think Yuki's shown some pace as well. So yeah, but, uh, but Alfa Romeo have just kind of been nowhere this year. They've they've not really ever had a, a foot in the door of anything. They've really had no pace, and their race performance has been quite poor. So yeah, I, I don't think they have much of a battle there, which is a shame because I think it's a good driver lineup at uh, Alfa Romeo. I think if they had just a, a bit more in that car at this point in the season. 
they probably they probably could but yeah not not with Ricardo I would say yeah I think you're right I mean extremely strange Saturday in Mexico where we saw the two alphas uh, Alfa Romeo's incredibly gets into qualifying three with Zogranu and Valtteri Bottas, but really didn't translate into race performance. And we've seen that a lot this year in that the Alphas sometimes have this burst of speed on Saturday, but whether it's tire degradation, whether they're more geared up towards the one lap pace, it never really seems to translate into points. So certainly Alfa Tauri have momentum and it'll be interesting to see if they can secure that eighth place. Of course, Haas sitting on 12 points as well. Uh, maybe they can come up with something, but they really seem like another team which are already in the doldrums at the minute. Now, uh, let's finish off now, off now guys, with a quick pr- uh, prediction ahead of the Brazilian Grand Prix. I won't overcomplicate things considering with the amount of racing we have this weekend. But Hamish, let's start off with a sprint race. Uh, who do you think is going to win the sprint race? Oh, do you know what? I'm going to say Hamilton because I think the sprints have shown a bit of surprise. So, yeah, I'll go Hamilton, yeah. Nice. And uh, Kiara, what about you? I will go with Hamilton as well. I have hopes and he really enjoys this track. So I think that extra motivation will give him that push to win the sprints. Interesting. Hamish, let's start with you. Uh, How come you're both not really looking at Russell as a contender, considering he won the race last year? I think he could be there. I'm not not trying to suggest he he wouldn't. Uh, it It would be absolutely... Mercedes right now, if Russell's had quite a bad run of performance and has suddenly beats Hamilton in a uh, San Paolo, so I wouldn't be surprised. I just think I don't. I just think Russell's not quite mentally there at the moment. He seems to be just lacking some form of pace. I wonder if yeah, I was thinking about this a minute ago actually, but I wonder if it's just since Japan because I imagine that must have been quite hard hitting that he was quicker than Hamilton, put in a different strategy that was worse and eventually lost out. So I think there's just a, Russell's not quite where he needs to be. He's not really been there this season, unfortunately. So I, I just can't see him right now taking that top step like he did last year because last year he was really quick and he showed he beat a seven time world champion. You don't do that. Yeah. You, you don't do that every day. So yeah. But this year, he's just not got the pace. Yeah, uh, really interesting and very fair. Unfortunately, George, he's a great driver, but uh, just doesn't quite seem to have uh, the edge on Hamilton as uh, as he maybe did it more in 2022 anyway. And uh, Kiara, to come back to you then for the race result, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push the boat out and ask you for a top three on every driver on the podium for the race result. Well, first place, I, I'll go with the safer option and say Max. Then I think he would be followed by Hamilton and I'm hoping for Lando Norris in third interesting you you were impressed with Lando's you were impressed with Lando's recovery drive in Mexico were you (laughs) that's exactly why I felt so sad for him when he was out after Q1 so I think with that extra push And knowing what he can do, because that was brilliant. And now he's excited and he wants to get those points. He wants to be on that podium with McLaren. I think that he will be very, very motivated this week. Yeah, it's it's an interesting prediction. I I could definitely see that coming to fruition. Lando Norris... Uh, a fantastic drive, honestly. It, it, it's it's always great to see a driver do things like that on a weekend where they do have that real fight in there and that tenacity. But it does always leave you wondering, 
where would he have come if he had have qualified even seventh or eighth, perhaps? He would have been so much for even with the red flag and the pit stop. I mean, oh, I, I do feel sorry for Lando because I think that red flag in particular must have been particularly galling for him and his team when it came out after making the pit stop. But but that's Formula One. Hamish, to come to you as well, then, who's your top three for Sunday? Man, I, I'm kind of tempted just to make it like a really bold... I'm just going to, yeah, I'll make a bold prediction. I'm going to say Norris to win it purely because I think if Hamilton and Max get anywhere near each other on track, that's going to be disaster again, just because I think there is just something between those two, which is unspoken, which is we've seen them both be able to race everyone else on track, but as soon as they get near each other, they both can't, they can't do it. So I think you might see something come up there. Retirement damage, something like that might halt both of them. Norris is there in third, comes through then i'll put i'll i'll put piastri behind him then i just don't think ferrari's gonna be anywhere they famously don't enjoy sao paulo so i want to say perez i'll go russell i won't say perez because i just think yeah that's maybe too bold out of everything i've just said putting perez on third seems like the least bold thing but yeah i'll go with that go on Wow, yeah, that that's incredibly bold. So, so all of you, yeah. um, Aaron fans, <laughs> will be hoping, praying that Hamish has got the crystal ball ready for you guys this weekend because, yeah, that will be a very good result for them. And just out of interest, Hamish, let's say your prediction does come true and uh, we see Ferrari have one of their their classic blunders. Any chance of McLaren catching? Ferrari and the constructors? Do you think that there's a small hope for those betting folks out there? Um. Well, sorry, McLaren, yeah. I think that there is, honestly. I think it, it requires a lot of work, probably a double DNF somewhere or just some really bad performance from Ferrari to do it. But I'm not going to say no because I think there is a chance. But yeah, I, I, I would be... It would be an absolute comeback for McLaren if they managed to finish third. And I think that would be probably one of the... I would argue one of the best developments of a car we've ever seen because if you look at where they were in Bahrain unable to really keep the car on track because there's so many brake issues to then finish in third would be phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, it'll take a lot. 93 points now, of course. We're just kind of speculating here on the podcast, but uh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I'm sure from... Zach Brown down, they'd still love fourth place for sure in the constructors because what a comeback for the team. What a finish to the season. And the future is bright, of course, with Norris and Piastri at the helm. So final thing I'm going to ask you guys, Kiara, what is your bold prediction for the weekend? Oh, no. Bold prediction for the weekend. I think I'm just going to say Daniel Ricciardo and Paul. We saw Kevin Magnussen do it last season. I think Daniel could do it. Wow. Okay. That that and you're speaking Sunday's race, yes. No, not just for the sprint yes. on this one. For wow. Sunday's race. For Sunday's race. Wow. That that really is bold. Honestly, I <laughs> I commend your bravery to put your to put your reputation on the line. But no, that's what we do though. We we are adventurous here at Everything F1, and of course we'd love to see that. I think interestingly, something which could factor in, guys. On Friday we are expecting some showers, so who knows whether that could play into it a little bit in terms of the the qualifying grid possibly in some ways that we do get a bit of rain but certainly for Dan and Ricardo that would be really interesting and and I'd love to see Christian Horner tell us that Sergio Perez is a shoe in for the seat if Ricardo puts it on pole then I really would love to see that what about you Hamish uh, what about you what's your bold prediction 
No, it'd be so. Imagine Ricardo starting on the, on pole and then Norris winning it. What a weekend that would be! I, f- I feel like I've made my bold predictions already. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll just make my bold prediction as Norris for a win. I think it's it's it just feels like it's coming at some point, weekend after weekend. Now I know he's probably tired of having the same conversation. I feel really sorry for him right now because every time he enters the media pen. Someone says to him, when's your next win? Why isn't it why hasn't it happened yet? So I do honestly believe it's happening. I do think it will come. So I'll say it's gonna happen this weekend. Because he deserves it as well. He should have it if, if it wasn't for Russia. Yeah, hundred percent. You look at Russia with the tires, you look at Monza playing the team role. Lando Norris is a driver capable of winning races. I don't think there's any doubt about that. His time will come, he's been a bit unlucky. But uh, there you go anyway, folks. For all those betting on the Alpha Towers, the McLaren wins right now. You can thank my colleagues, Hamish and Kiara, for all those winnings and your celebrations on Sunday afternoon. (laughs) But it's going to be a great race. It's going to be a great weekend. And we always love Brazil. It's a classic. I'm sure it's going to be a fantastic one. So that's all we've got time for anyway. Thank you very much to all of you watching on Facebook. And of course, for those who will be listening in the future on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. I'd just like to give, of course, a last shout out to our sponsors, theraceworks.com. You can get yourself 10% off on all formula one merchandise so do head over there to get some merch of your favorite team ahead of the brazilian grand prix and remember to check out our content as well as i said at the start we're all over the channels whether that's facebook instagram tiktok we've got articles videos of course podcasts as you'll know so do remember to check us out ahead of the brazilian grand prix in the meantime all that's left to say is thank you very much to my two colleagues first of all to hamish yeah thank you and then to kiara Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you very much for joining us and catch us at the weekend for all of our Brazilian Grand Prix content. See you later.